0: God has really blessed me. You know, he let me work in D.C., let me work with EIB and Hollywood, and Silicon Valley, and he's shown me through all those experiences that there is one problem and one solution, and that's why we do this show. Welcome to A Disciple's View with Todd Herman. When the God of the universe created the world, he didn't snap his fingers or leave his eyes. He spoke he said, let there be light, because we believe, we speak about the happenings in this world as we remain mindful that our true home is with Jesus Christ and his kingdom, and a new heaven and the new earth. Welcome to A Disciple's View, I'm Todd Herman. Proverbs 28.6 says, better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. Alejandro Mayorkas is going to be fine. He's been impeached by the House of Representatives, but nothing will happen, Well, except something's already happened. He's already chose to walk outside of integrity. I invite the Lord to search me as I speak. I invite the Lord to search you. Well, not my job. I'd ask you to invite the Lord to search you as you listen. Uh, All of us, of course, fall short of the glory of God. Not all of us, though, embody so many warnings from the Bible in so many clear ways. In this one, Proverbs, the crookedness of Alejandro Mayorkas is evident to anybody who has ever done a job, any job. For instance, my first, quote, real job, this is aside from mowing lawns or bucking hay bales or alfalfa bales, things like that. My first real job with a time clock and a boss and a building that was actually taking in money was as a um, dishwasher in a pizza restaurant. I'll tell you a story about that later and the fundamental lesson I got from a guy who had been in prison and was a great manager of pizza parlors. And he showed me what he was willing to do with his integrity. I'll tell you that as the show wraps up. But my job was to wash dishes. And quickly, and to do that in a way where no one in the kitchen had to wait for a pizza plate or a nacho plate to arrive, what if I just said, I choose not to? (laughs) Well, I know what would have happened because I remember the people who worked there, they wouldn't have just fired me. (laughs) There probably would have been violence by some of them if I'd refused to do that. And obviously, I would have been fired. Alejandro Mayorkas didn't just refuse to do his job. He did something worse. Let's go back and think about that pizza metaphor, that that pizza place metaphor where I was a dishwasher. And they came and said, wash the dishes. And instead, I was on the phone calling customers saying, hey, don't eat the pizza here. There's a better pizza place with better pizza and, and better prices up the street. Let me give you their phone number. That's what Alejandro Mayorkas is doing. It's not just that he's not enforcing the laws, that he refuses to do that. It's that he is actively aiding and abetting in an invasion of a country. It's treason by, well, any other name. It's treason because of the outcome they aim. So, our job, call this what it is. That man is committing treason. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9 Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Indeed, he is with us wherever we go. He's with Alejandro Marcus if Alejandro Marcus would allow the Lord in. Now, of course, I don't know the state of that man's soul, but we can observe the fruits. We can observe the fruits of what he does to others, including us. We can observe lies. The border is secure. He just said that. The border is secure. He was asked if the Department of Homeland Security bears any responsibility for the flood of illegal immigrants coming across. He said, we bear no responsibility. We can view a pledge he took to uphold the Constitution of the United States of America, which includes the statement that the federal government shall protect the states from invasion. Shall, not might if they get around to it or if they feel like it or if it matches their electoral dreams. Shall. He's violating an oath. In other words, he's walking in sin. It's not that he's fallen short. It's that he refuses to abide. He refuses to serve. In other words, as Satan said, non servium, I will not serve. And so we need to call this out for what it is. Republicans would be wise to use the word invasion again and again and again, and then to ask the question, is participating in an invasion of the country, allowing an invasion of a country, if that is not treason, exactly what is? The Democrats in the Senate and many Republicans, they don't want to impeach Alejandro Americas for a series of reasons. One is the oldest game in the Washington, D.C. book, if you don't come at us, we won't come at you. You don't jail our guys, we won't jail yours. Well, the Democrats have broken that covenant, but they did it with Orange Man bad. And orange man bad is disruptive to the Republicans as well. So I would say to Alejandro Mayorkas and the people who run him and whoever else is pushing the open borders, and we know some of their identities. I mean, it's almost cliched to say George Soros. That's absolutely one of the people who's pushing this. So is the United Nations. We pay the United Nations the bulk of their bills. They turn around and pay people to enter our country illegally. The Biden and the people who run Joe Biden are giving money to non-governmental organizations to hide people in our country in important and strategic electoral zones with the expressed and not expressed, but obvious purpose of overturning the electoral college count. That's the goal. So I would say this to them. If I had an occasion to speak with them, I would say it this way from Luke chapter 12, verse two through five. There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you've said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. What you have whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So I might say to Alejandro Mayorkas, hey, you're going to get away with this. You're not going to be convicted. You're getting away with it. Kind of. I hope it's worth your eternity. Hint, it's not. It's been a bizarre scene watching Washington, D.C., and this obsession with continuing to flood money into Ukraine in a war that I cannot for the life of me understand why we're involved. Ukraine was, until three years ago, not an important partner to ours. They're still not. We did everything we could to goad them, uh, goad the Russians into attacking Ukraine by talking about making Ukraine a NATO state. Uh, J.D. Vance, Senator has asked for some simple amendments to the Ukraine money laundering bill like not paying for reconstruction not paying for your Ukrainian bureaucrats to retire but the party of Schumer McConnell or as Senator Mike Lee calls them the law firm of McConnell Schumer wants to reject all of these so the Ukrainian government they canceled elections they killed an American journalist And Congress is about to send them another $60 billion. Mike Lee, J.D. Vance, Rand Paul, they're trying to stop this. Senator Vance talked with Tucker Carlson about the cost and the attempt the bill masks or pardon me, makes to force future presidents to keep handing out money to Ukraine.
1: So tonight we will clear a major procedural vote, or we won't. So this is really the best opportunity tonight to kill this legislation. Encourage everybody to do everything that they can, contact everyone they can to ensure that we actually do kill the legislation. It is very close. Uh, The Democrats have banded together with 17 Republicans. We only need eight of those Republicans to flip their vote to kill this thing. And I think that we'll get at least one uh, who will, in fact, flip their vote. So that that that's where it sits in the Senate. The second thing, and frankly, the best opportunity we have to kill this is in the House. Uh, and that's part of what I'm trying to do is notify people about how bad this legislation is so that after it clears the Senate, if it does, then it goes to the House and the House has a real opportunity to at least make it better, uh, but hopefully kill it. That sends $61 billion to Ukraine to fund, as you said, a hopeless war in Eastern Europe that will decimate the Ukrainian population even more than it's already been decimated. So it's a terrible, terrible piece of legislation on the policy. It doesn't just fund Ukraine in 2024. And this is the most important point. It actually funds Ukraine in 25 and 26. Now, what's the problem with that? Say, for example, that we have a new president in 2025, that president would be handcuffed by the promises that we are making in law to Ukraine today. So if Trump is elected president again and become president on January of 2025, he will conduct diplomacy. And if that diplomacy does not include sending additional billions to Ukraine, there is a theoretical argument, a predicate, if you will, for impeaching donald trump because they have tried to tie his hands and the final point i'll make on this tucker is that the washington post has already has already said based on leaks from inside the intel community the purpose of this legislation is to tie a future president trump's hands
0: it is well thought of as used to be thought of as illegal For one Congress to tie the hands of a president on issues like this. So, of course, it would go to the Supreme Court. But really, this is the process that we're seeing in our country. What did we say in Proverbs? What did the Bible tell us about better to be a poor man walking in integrity than a rich man not walking in integrity? As J.D. Vance and Tucker Carlson continued their discussion... Senator Vance revealed what he sees as the propaganda Zelensky's promoting to D.C. and the perverse incentives of military contractors.
1: They bought into the propaganda that what is in the best interest of Ukraine is to prolong this war. And so Zelensky comes to Washington. You know, he's tougher than a lot of them are. And I think they get, uh, you know, a, a little bit of excitement from that. And Zelensky tells them a story that his war is in the best interest of the whole of Ukraine. Now, never mind that there are people within Ukraine protesting the draft. Never mind that the average age of a soldier there is pushing 45 years old. And never mind that the 650,000 wealthiest Ukrainians left the country at the beginning of the war. Uh, They didn't stay and fight. So the idea that this is unanimously supported by the Ukrainian population is, of course, preposterous and absurd. No one believes it. But, but here's here's the really crazy and I, and I think ultimately the very cynical thing that's going on, Tucker, is that everyone knows that this war will lead to the destruction of Ukraine. I've had conversations with Democratic colleagues where they get this sort of dark look in their eyes and they say effectively that they want to fight Russia to the last Ukrainian drop of blood. I, I, I think if you really ask these guys, they recognize that this is not in the best interest of Ukraine Uh, This is fundamentally in the interests of military contractors and people who think that America's most pressing challenge is to defeat the Russians. Of course, that's not a preoccupation that I share. I don't think Russia should have invaded, Tucker, but I also think that we got to be much more focused on more pressing problems like the demographic collapse of the United States, like the open borders, and like what's going on in East Asia. So it's a massive campaign, Tucker, to distract people from the real problems in the world and the real problems that exist in this country.
0: There's also, of course, the problem, and the problem is turning away from God. That's the problem. We open the program. I speak of there being one problem and one solution. The problem, of course, is sin that entered the world. The solution, of course, is to do the only thing that we can do to near holiness, and that is to accept the Lord Jesus as our Savior, our Messiah, to agree to let him change us, to welcome the Holy Spirit. Part of that for many is becoming baptized, walking with him, abiding with him. And then we can go back and we can just examine what we talked about at the top of the show. Better that we walk in integrity as poor people than as rich people who are crooked in their ways. Well, integrity is not something that we have much of absent the Holy Spirit. Joshua 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord God is with you wherever you go. Indeed, so how do we... ...act courageously in this time. I think it's a scary thing for me, it has been... ...to find myself suddenly being anti-war. Now, war is sometimes the answer. There are just wars. To remind ourselves that the troops in the field... ...are doing exactly as they should do... ...which is taking orders. Ask that they be protected and blessed. But speak truth into this. That Ukraine mess... ...it's not going away... ...until there's a ceasefire... And when Mitch McConnell comes out and says he doesn't see a downside to war because it's helping rebuild our industrial base, I think that might give you an idea of what it looks like to be a rich man, crooked in his ways. And again, I invite the Lord to search me in the areas in which I am not straight, crooked. So we continue, get into our In the World, Not of It segment. You know, the woman who went to attempt to murder people in the Lakewood Church in Texas. She's being defended online. I'll tell you about what the, some of the people are saying. I'm Todd Herman. This is at Disciples View. Appreciate you listening to Disciples View. I'm Todd Herman. A, um, a cartoonist looking at some of his work online stonetoss.com puts up a fascinating cartoon on the left is an image of a burning american flag with someone stomping on it and it's labeled free speech on the right is the an image of a burning lgb uh, so-called so-called t flag with someone preparing to stomp on that burning flag and it's labeled hate speech (laughs) that's pretty good I know it's better to see that visually but that's pretty good and it does bear us it does remind us that we are to be in the world and not of it because man is it okay to pray for the world I think we can do that Jesus came of course to set free the captives and it's our job now to set free the captives this week I've been consumed by John 17, I've been consumed by the fact that the Lord Jesus, on his way to the cross, prayed not just for his immediate disciples, but for those of us who would come to believe in him through them. The Lord himself prayed for you. (laughs) I'm glad he did, given what we're facing. Again, it's sort of a biblical checklist. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Indeed, whoa. Let us not be among those people who do that. I brought up the free speech case versus the hate speech case because a young man decided to drive his truck over an LGB so-called TQ painted intersection. His name is Dylan Reese Brewer, 19. He's facing felony charges deemed a hate crime because he burned out over that intersection. The Nashville shooter, murderer, who used a gun to commit those murders, who was a woman who'd been conned into believing she was a man, that was not a hate crime. Even though she wrote a manifesto expressing hatred, for the same Christian she killed, including three Christian children. Not a hate crime. Burning out on the LGB so-called TQ flag is a hate crime. When you are going through a cultural revolution, and that's what you're being put through, a cultural revolution, the party in power will show those who are going to aid them in the revolution that they can do anything they want. It is a flipping of society. It is a, if you're with us, you can have your way with the laws, and they cease to be laws. In Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, we read, But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty, and mentally— I mean, if you're driving, please be very careful. But if you're not driving, listen to this and do a mental checklist— for people be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. I pause just to point out that disobedience to parents is being taught in the schools. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, we just spoke of Alejandro Mayorkas, reckless, swollen with conceit. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. Hard to avoid when we're in the world, so how do we avoid it? We do not become of the world. That's my view. That's how we avoid it. Remember that we're visitors here. The Texas, the attempted church shooter in Texas, this woman who had been captured spiritually enough to believe that she was a man who went in in an attempt to murder others uh, while taking with her a child, a child shield, as it were. We pray for that child. Um, They are going after people who simply revealed what happened. In this case, it's Haya Rechik. She is the woman who runs the Libs of TikTok Twitter channel. She wrote, a trans-terrorist shot up a church in Texas yesterday. The media will try to make the story disappear. Trans-terrorism is a serious threat. We need to talk more about this. And a reply on Twitter. Have you tried not antagonizing people to the point they snap? You see, in a culture revolution, there's a neat trick you can use. If you ever are curious about who's running things, because – To me, it's quite evident that the person named Joe Biden isn't running things. He's not capable of it. There's someone running the White House. Here's a helpful hint. If you ever wonder who's in charge, determine who you're not allowed to criticize in any serious way. The modeling of the Cultural Revolution to people who seek revenge in their hearts is showing them You will have that revenge. You will watch as a 19-year-old kid who simply burned out on a flag he didn't like with his truck. That's a felony. That's a hate crime. Same time, in the state of Kentucky, a man who pretended to be a woman, who sexually assaulted infants, he's not going to go to prison. After all, he's a woman. See, that's the modeling. Now, let me ask you this. If you think about this from a spiritual perspective, and it is spiritual, in order to have what he thinks is going to be his victory, that is Satan, he needs an army, not just of demons, but of people. What better way to build an army than based upon a perversion of the word of God? Think about this again, this, this piece from Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Now, as hard as this might be, let's try to think like Satan as we read these verses. For people will be lovers of self. I heard someone the other day talk about gender ideology and the mutilation of their bodies. And they said, fate, not faith. We control our bodies. How they're made. In whose image? Lovers of money. Gosh, Mitch McConnell saying he doesn't see a downside to the war in Ukraine. He said that. I don't see a downside. After all, we're building our manufacturing base. Proud. Used to be that there was Pride Day, then week, now month, soon decade. Arrogant. Who's God to tell me I'm a man? Alejandro Mayorkas saying, our borders secure. We have no role in this. Disobedient to their parents. Well, in separate countries like Washington and California, if you as a parent say no, you may not have wrong sex hormones and gender mutilation surgery, your kids can say, Oh yeah, I will. And you'll pay for it. Because I'm going to Planned Parenthood. Ungrateful. We can go through that. I'm sure that I mire myself in that a lot. In fact, I did that last week to my detriment. Unholy, heartless, unappeasable slanders. I think you get the point. I know you do. So as we reflect more on the news in this note that the woman who runs Libs of TikTok had just simply put up on social media, Hiya Raychik. Um, She also, Libs of TikTok, her account posted, the Lakewood Church shooter was so-called transgender. Her legal name is Genesee, but she went by Jeffrey. Another act of trans-terrorism. We need to have a national conversation about the LGB, so-called TQ movement, turning youth into violent extremists. Jesse Aaron on Twitter wrote, stop attacking them and they wouldn't have to fight back. Seems simple. You met a group who isn't going to sit back and take your pathetic attacks. Attacks, like what? Like saying you cannot become something you're not. Oh, no, you cannot become something you're not. Jesus can make you something you're not. He can make you holy. He can make you more like him. He can indwell in you the kingdom of heaven. That's what the Holy Spirit is. It's part of the kingdom of heaven indwelled in you. And yet, again, if we refer back to the Bible and the things we've been told, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Indeed, that is what we're living through. Despite all that is clear, that women cannot become men, all that is known— that much testosterone does not belong in women, and all the violence being done by people conned by gender ideology, this woman wants to cut, wants to get cut. She wants to be mutilated, even as her family begs her to not do it. Audio clip number
2: four. Last night, my daughter asked me again to detransition, and this time she did it in front of her father, who also wishes I would detransition. And my heart hurts so bad. Proud of the way I handled it, and I did well. um, But clearly, I still am not doing enough for this child, and I will keep trying. But you know, afterwards, I went for a walk and I calmed down, so that I could read the kids' bedtime stories and be normal. And I managed that; it was fine. Um, and then the kids went off to bed, and um, my husband came to you know, check on me and make sure I was okay, and I was like, like, we had a longer conversation, I'm just abbreviating it for you, um, basically it's an emperor's new clothes situation, the child is just saying what everybody thinks, and as much as I would have loved him to disagree with me, he didn't. Instead, while we were packing lunches, he let me know that he finds it really confronting, Now that people are starting to gender me correctly uh, in front of him, particularly um, my he, him pronouns, what am I supposed to do with that information?
0: Talked to a family once whose daughter was trapped in the gender ideology nightmare, and they had taken her to the zoo. And this is a place where she and they had had wonderful, wonderful memories. I don't know if you've been to the San Diego Zoo, but it's brilliant, wonderful zoo. And so they took their 12 year old daughter there. Her 12 year old daughter, their 12 year old daughter, had done what a lot of girls do. Um, and I had this experience in the, in the teen and adolescence mental health thing we went through that a lot of the girls will gain a ton of weight to try to mask the feminine qualities of their body. And this is prior to getting the magical testosterone. And this girl had done that. She had ballooned up to about you know, 60% overweight. And here she was with her short hair at the zoo, still a 12-year-old girl, loved the penguins, laughing as they splashed, still childlike. And behind them, a little kid had come up. He wanted to see the penguins, and he was kind of getting in the way of the girl. And that parent said, hey, let that boy look. Let that boy see. I spoke to the parents whose hearts cracked open. That's our daughter, made in the image of God, and taught that though you because you feel discomfortable with your body, discomfort, because puberty is not fun, she was taught get really fat and pretend to be a boy. Second Timothy chapter four verse three for the time is coming when people will not endure a sound teaching but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and so the girl had. We are all of us made in the image of God. He referred to one time human beings as his masterpiece. And so it's sad to me to play this, but I think it's an important lesson. Co-host of The View, Sonny Hostin, learned she's descended from slave owners. She's a little shocked. So why doesn't she simply reidentify as not from slave owners?
3: Wow. I'm 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 in a little bit in shock. I I just always thought of myself as Puerto Rican, you know, half Puerto Rican. <laughs> I didn't think I was uh my family was originally from Spain and slaveholders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how are you feeling, my friend? Um I just um I think it's actually pretty interesting that um My husband and I have shared roots, Yeah. so I I do appreciate that. Um, And I think it's great for our children Mm -hmm. to know this information. Um, I guess it's a fact of life that uh, this is how some people made their living on the backs of others. At first I was deeply disappointed. Um, The slave thing is a bummer. It's a bummer. And I still believe in reparations, like, by oh. the way. So y'all can stop texting me and emailing me and saying that I'm a white girl and that I don't deserve reparations. That's I still believe. Uh, that, someone did that, that to her. Yeah, I don't know who what? sent her a thing telling her she was a white girl. Okay, it's 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 too much, people. But, clean off your television screen. Yeah, it's, it's that's a lot. So I, 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 I still believe in reparations. I still believe this country has a lot to do in terms of racial justice. Um, but what I will say, Sarah, to your question is that I feel that um, I'm enriched by knowing that history. Yeah. I, I'm enriched. And I'm enriched by knowing that my family has come so far from being enslavers to my wow. mother marrying my father in 1968.
0: Well, yeah. Wow. Her family's come so far, but not our nation. That's what I took from that. Her family's come so far, but not our nation. We'll come back with The Tower Babbling. I'm Todd Herman. This is The Disciples View. Welcome back to Disciples View. I'm Todd Herman. By the way, you could always uh, get in touch with me, uh, first of all, through AFR.net. Uh, it's, if you want to get directly to me, the easiest way to do that probably is to go to my own website, toddhermanshow.com. There's an email option there. You just scroll down the page, and it's super simple. Just fill that out and send us a note like this one. This is from Marsha in Dallas, Texas. Dear Todd, Thank you for working the word of the Bible into news coverage. I've listened to you since you started an AFR and remember you from Rush Limbaugh days, and I've subscribed to your podcast. I'm even a paying subscriber to your video service, but I've never heard you give your testimony. Would you ever share your testimony and how you came to the Lord Jesus? Marsha in Dallas, Texas. Thank you, Marsha, for the note. Um, gosh, you know, it's a complicated thing. I wish it was simple. I describe it this way, that that... I was raised by a Catholic mother who was a cafeteria Catholic. That is, that she went about treating Catholicism like a salad bar. I love my mom. I talked to her twice a week. Uh, obviously, i give my life for her, um, but, but I'm just being honest. I've, I've, I have the same conversation with her. She's since left the Catholic Church. Um, she went to a church that would affirm that homosexuality is not a sin. So, yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm worried for my mom's eternity. So I was raised that way, then, in, in, at acknowledgment that people believe in God, and a mom who went to church services on Easter and Christmas and funerals, so a uh, real arm's distance, a family that, that sadly did not attend church. So when I met this man, who is my dearest brother and has been since uh, well, let's see, uh, eighth grade, I was supposed to beat him up. Because people, he was from California, and and long story, I was supposed to beat him up. Instead, I spoke to him and found him to be a wonderful young man, and he and I became fast friends, and then brothers, and brothers to this day. He is is inseparable from me. That was seventh grade. We're still dear friends. His family did believe Catholics, um, beautiful Christian lovers of the Lord Jesus. I saw an intact home. And at that point, then, I began to entertain the thought that something is different in this young man. So I became a Jesus leaner, leaning towards Jesus. I eventually moved in with them after I dropped out of college, one year of small college football. I wanted to go play in rock bands. I did that, lived in their home. Then I lived in a home with Christ believers and and disciple makers. And at that point, I became convinced that God was real, Jesus was real. I took my first communion. Later I stepped away from that and went all political, all libertarian, all my own God, and was again an agnostic. And eventually what brought me to the Lord was getting married, attending church, firmly then getting rebaptized, sprinkled with water um, at that point in a Lutheran church and became a church funder, Jesus Acknowledger, church funder. I spoke of the Lord. I raised my daughter in a church, but still not fully discipled. It wasn't until God stopped giving me the incredible blessings he'd given me. I mean, never really stopped, but he'd blessed me with money I shouldn't have had and, and, and job titles I shouldn't have had, Microsoft GM, etc. Shouldn't have never had that. And that was clearly a blessing from God. That didn't work. I didn't drop to my knees and kiss the ground and say, thank you, Father, for this. Um, he finally allowed me to be shaken to my knees. Uh, with what happened to our daughter, and that did it. That did it. I eventually admitted that I cannot even father without you, and here I was. I thought I was super father, and so it's an ongoing process. I eventually became a Jesus needer, and now I am very, very, very happy and embarrassed to say that in the mid-50s, I became a disciple, disciple maker. I try to be a disciple maker. Appreciate the note, Marcia. Thanks for asking. On this program, we thank the Lord for placing the supposedly wise on tall towers of shaking sand with our feature called The Tower of Babbling.
4: You know about the biblical truth of the Tower of Babel. A Disciple's View presents... America is
0: a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him... uh, The
4: Tower of Babbling.
0: Three sound bites that, uh, I believe, back me up on the idea that God places these people on these tall towers so we can observe human wisdom in all its non-glory. Rod Rosenstein plays that game or a senator and VP have the same declassification of classified documents privileges as a president.
1: Another thing that Robert Hur wrote about is he distinguished between the Biden case on uh, handling classified documents and the Trump case and noted. Uh, now, I'm paraphrasing here, but along the lines of Trump's case is much worse uh, because Trump didn't cooperate uh, and Biden did, and Trump urged people to lie and obstruct justice and destroy evidence, and Biden did not. Uh, was that
4: appropriate of Robert Hur to, to do? I, th- I think so, Jake. And uh, you, know, you identified the controversial elements of the special counsel's report. It's a very long report, 345 pages, and has a lot of information in there, other reasons why uh, prosecution would not be warranted. And one of them is the history and experience of prior presidents and potentially vice presidents as well taking home classified documents. And and, the the point that Rob had anticipated there was people would ask what distinguishes this case from the allegations against former President Trump. And the answer was uh, that President Biden fully cooperated and turned over the documents. Now, I don't know whether the allegations against President Trump are true or not, but it is a distinguishing factor and it's perfectly appropriate for prosecutors to consider Uh, A suspect's cooperation, a suspect's truthfulness uh, in making a determination about whether prosecution might be warranted. So that's an issue that's covered actually in great detail in the special counsel's report.
0: Yeah, there's another issue that should be covered. It's that President Trump claims to have declassified the documents. Senator Biden never could have done that. VP Biden never could have done that. There's also the inconvenience, well, fact that before relocating to New Jersey, President Trump had apparently said to the FBI, sure, come and take a look around. My people will show you around and give you what you need. OK, well, there's this as well. This timeline from the Mockingbird Media, there's a timeline, shows President Trump said he declassified some of the key documents before leaving office. Can you seek out the answer to the question of whether there actually is record of whether Donald Trump declassified that? That's his defense here, that anything he had, he had already declassified.
1: Uh, yes, uh, we should determine, uh, you know, whether there was any effort. Uh, during the presidency to
4: go through the process of declassification. I've seen no evidence of that, nor have they presented any evidence of that. The White House just announced that President Trump is asking the Director of National Intelligence <laughs> and the Department of Justice, including the FBI, to release unredacted classified documents
1: and text messages related to the start of the Russia investigation. But,
4: Congressman, does the president have the legal authority to order this release? And, and if he does, wouldn't he then just fire anyone who refused? Uh, he has the order. He has the power to order things declassified, yes. So we want to be very transparent. So as you know, I declassified everything. President That's, Trump has ordered president. the
0: declassification of all records related to the biggest political scandal in our history, the entrapment of one political campaign instigated by another with the help of the U.S. intelligence agency, something I've been reporting on and breaking news on since day one. Uh,
1: you know, whether there
0: was any effort uh, during the presidency to go through the process of declassification. I've seen no evidence of that. <laughs> well, that might be because you didn't look for the evidence, Adam Schiff. Last clip in today's Tower Babbling: There's about 20 edits to this 30-second commercial of figurehead Biden pretending inflation isn't real. The Super Bowl Sunday. If you're anything like me, you like to be surrounded by a snack or two while watching the big game. You know, when buying snacks for the game, you might have noticed one thing. Sports drinks bottles are smaller. A bag of chips has fewer chips, but they're still charging it just as much. And as an ice cream lover, what makes me the most angry is that ice cream cartons have actually shrunk in size, but not in price. I've had enough of what they call shrinkflation. It's a (laughs) ripoff. Some companies are trying to pull a fast one by shrinking the products little by little and hoping you won't notice. (laughs) Give me a break. The American public is tired of being played for suckers. I'm calling on companies to put a stop to this. Let's make sure businesses do the right thing now. <laughs> Let's do that. The cuts, by the way, I'm not kidding. There's about 20 cuts. Why is that important? Because President Biden, the figurehead, is crisp, mentally sound. Absolutely hasn't lost a step. And that's a wrap for today's Tower of Babbling.
1: That was the Tower of Babylon.
0: I love Venn diagrams. I I really just love Venn
4: diagrams. On A Disciple's View.
0: I mentioned at the top of the show that I would share with you um, something that happened to me in my first real job. Real meaning working for a company, not cutting lawns or mowing lawns or or raking or tossing hay bales or alfalfa bales, things like that, which I did but walking in with a time card, checking in. It was funny how it happened. Um, I used to go to a place called the Savage House um, in Spokane, which is near where I'm at now. Spokane is in um, Eastern Washington. And I used to go there a lot. Just loved the pizza. Our family went there. And eventually I won a certificate for $500 in free pizza. <laughs> and so as a kid with a bike, and able to ride down there in 40 minutes or so. My friends and I took good advantage of that, that certificate we won. And uh, there was a young woman who cooked my pizza just about every time. She got so sick of it. It offended Jamie to have to cook pizza for some rug rat that was free. And, and, and she, just, she didn't think it was a good idea. Because I didn't go in and buy beer or anything like that. I didn't buy anything. We just ate pizza with water. So when I got the job to work there, to be a dishwasher. And I walked in, Jamie greeted me. She was this short, slim woman, um, dark brown hair, brilliant pizza woman, brilliant at running a kitchen, absolutely obsessed with doing things the right way. And I walked into the back room and she went, you, well, hi, I'm Todd. You, you know how many free pizzas I've made for you? I thought I was in such trouble. She turned out to be the dearest, most endearing person And I mean it, I've never seen someone work harder and with a greater sense of pride in that kitchen than Jamie. She got into a relationship with a guy named Kevin. He came from back east. He taught me how to bang pizza dough. He hated rollers. Not roll a pizza. We don't want them flat. Here's how to bang out a pizza. He and Jamie eventually got married. He was also obsessed with quality. There was a manager there named Ray. And Ray had had a really tough time. I talked to him one day in the kitchen during a downtime where we were just cleaning. Ray was in his late 30s, I think. I was not yet. Um, when I started work there, I was just barely 16, driving myself then to the uh, to the pizza place. And Ray told me about the time that he spent in prison because I asked him, so what is prison like? And he got in there because of a terrible mistake. He admitted it. He didn't. Try to shirk responsibility. He was involved in a robbery and someone got killed. He didn't do the killing. He pled guilty. And so he spent about seven years in prison. That was back when Washington state did such things. They don't do such things anymore. He talked about prison and what it was like. And I said, what would happen if I went in there at my age? It depends on how you act. If you defend yourself, people are going to defend you. If you don't defend yourself, no one's going to defend you. I said, even though I'm a kid? He goes, even though you're a kid. Because if you're not willing to fight for yourself, then why are we going to put our lives on the line for you? Ray fed a family working there. He was great with money, great with the till, never, ever anything dishonest, great with our time cards, never tried to steal an hour from us, would never do such a thing. And Ray spoke occasionally, he would mention church, would just come out of his mouth i went to church this weekend would just occasionally slip out never shared the word of god with me but occasionally he would say something like i'll be at church sunday so think back about it now i'd asked him about prison but i didn't ask him about church one night uh, i was working there late and a girlfriend of mine a very pretty blonde girl was there with me as we were closing up, and some men began harassing her really badly. So Ray came to me and said, hey, you should have your girlfriend go home, meet her later. These guys are out of control. So Christy left. I said, hey, I'll come later. And Ray and I were cleaning up. I went into the bathroom to clean and noticed that the bathroom toilet, the urinal, had been blown off the wall. What they did is they shoved toilet paper into it and then lit it on fire and it blew up. So I shut off the water, told Ray, and I went over and confronted the guys. I, again, 18. At that point, was I 18? Yeah, I was about 18. And I went over and confronted them. We give you free pizza. We, We sponsor your baseball team and you do this to us. And a couple of the men got up to fight me. There were about five men. And Ray came around the corner with a baseball bat and he smashed a gumball machine to pieces and he said first one takes a step forward gets it he kicked him out and I said Ray you could go back to prison if you hit one of them Ray looked at me and he said you're my friend I learned a lot of that job in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Because we believe, we speak. Because He first loved us, we speak His Word. We walk in the path of Jesus to make disciples of all nations. Until we all speak again, courtesy of God's good grace, may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding rest upon you and your families. On behalf of AFR team, Adam today filling in for Randy, I'm Todd Herman. This has Ben, A Disciples View.